0: Hi, you're listening to the Queensland Theatre Quality Time Podcast. Let me set the scene. According to 2021 enrolment numbers, selection of drama as a senior subject has been rapidly declining in the thousands since 2017. It's a shocking statistic caused by a push towards STEM subjects, the impact of covid and a fear of career instability. Today, our artistic director, Leigh Lewis, is joined by Drama Queensland president, Stephanie Tudor, to discuss why it's important for every student in Queensland to have access to an arts education, so the arts can also be a part of their adult life, whether that be on stage, backstage, or in the audience. Enjoy.
1: Everyone, it's Lee Lewis, the artistic director here at Queensland Theatre, and I am inviting in uh, Stephanie Tudor, the president of Drama Queensland, and we're going to have a big old conversation about. A life in the arts Mm. and how extraordinary living with the arts in your day-to-day life can be uh, and why we need to encourage more of our young people to actually plan for a life in the arts. I've had a life in the arts since I was little, since I was three years old. At that point, I was a dancer who found my way onto (laughs) the stage. I was a bluebell. And from that point, I fell in love with the space that is the theatre. And I knew I would always have a life in it. I've done different things. When I was 12, I was a very established playwright in my my school. Oh, good. I also directed because (laughs) no one else would. I also produced, which meant at that point bringing in all my costumes from home uh, and stealing my mum's makeup. So. (laughs) Well, you've got to be resourceful in the (laughs) theatre. You do. You do. Now, I'd like to introduce you to Stephanie Tudor, who is the president of Drama Queensland. Welcome. Stephanie. Welcome to Queensland Theatre and thank you for joining me on the lands of the Yuggera and the Turrbal people. Now stories have been told on these lands for tens of thousands of years and we're looking forward to tens of thousands of years mm-hmm. more working with our First Nations people to tell stories that are truly deeply Australian in a way that we haven't Mm. in the past necessarily, and I'm looking forward to inviting generations more of Queenslanders, young Mm. Queenslanders, to joining me in a life in the arts. Now, I feel like we work together to this great goal of making sure that the arts are accessible and expected for every Queenslander. Mm. Now, what does that mean for you?
2: I think for us, for myself, but also for drama teachers across Queensland, We are so passionate about theatre and drama and the arts enriching young people's lives. We see the impact in the classroom, in the co-curricular programs and just see how much it enriches their lives and taking students to see theatre and seeing them have that experience for the first time is such a beautiful moment for us. So, for us, it doesn't matter what they want to do after school or where they want to go, but it's about creating that love of theatre and opening their eyes to the fact that theatre and the arts tell stories, that they can use their voice in different ways, that it questions the world around them, it makes them look at things in a way that they have never looked at it before and it can be challenging and it can be beautiful and it can be exciting all at the same time and that they can go to theatre and love every moment of it or they can have moments that they go, oh, that really challenged my thinking or I've never thought about it like that. And that's, I think, the biggest thing for us is instilling that love of I guess seeing those different worlds and starting from a young age, I think especially now when we're living in a a time when we've never had access to more information, it's so important for people to think about the world they live in and think about the space they live in and approach things with empathy and passion and I think the theatre does that and it's a different way in for those students.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It feels to me that in the theatre space... In the storytelling space is where we learn how to express our emotions. Because it's one thing to be in a world where we've got so much coming at us. Mm. We've got access to ideas that, I look, I never had when I was growing Mm. up. The world is available Mm. in the online space. But... That doesn't necessarily mean that I've learned how to talk to that world, yes. express my own thoughts in that space. And how do we do that as people? How do we learn how to do that? And for me, the storytelling space is one of the first places that we learn to tell mm. our own story, to have our own voice and to voice our opinion, to actually give expression to the thoughts and feelings that are inside us. And mm. we have to learn how to do that. It yes. doesn't come naturally. Yeah. So a space that encourages that, that actually encourages you to say, I can form a, an opinion Mm. and speak that opinion out and then frame that into a story and share that with other people Mm. is really the first steps in how to engage in society. Yeah. And we specialise in that. Yes. (laughs) You know, So, and that doesn't mean that you're going to end up being an actor on a stage, yeah. it means that you're going to actually know that you have a right to your, not only your opinions, but your emotions, mm. and that we've got to practice that. Yes. So that's the, I suppose, one of the places that we specialize, as opposed to every every other subject, mm. the drama subject specializes in expression of self. Yeah. And that is useful whatever field mm. you go into. It's like you're saying, you know, just because you're not going to be a pure mathematician doesn't mean you're not going to do maths or mm. use numbers. Yes. Just because you're not going to be an actor doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to express your thoughts and ideas Mm. in vibrant ways that will attract other people. And that's in whatever job you're in.
2: And and I think it's really interesting in the classroom sometimes we have these conversations. We go and see a theatre production and you bring the students back to the classroom and you have such rich conversations. And I've had conversations where students have got so passionate about things where they've you know stood up and been like I just need a moment I just need a moment to calm down and regather my thoughts because what that person has said has really challenged me or whatever it is and you don't get that in a lot of other spaces and then learn how to negotiate those thoughts and... And your passions. Yeah. How to negotiate your passions and that thing of if you
1: have passions how do you actually learn to wield them? Mm. Yeah, and I know what you mean, like we start working on a play and all of the passions of that play start to circulate in the company. Mm. And everybody in the company, across every different department I mean, we have accountants in the company and they work for a theatre company mm. because they are passionate people. Yeah, They also happen to have a, a very Necessary talent for numbers. <laughs> but they want to actually use that to help shape story in the world. Yeah. And they shape story by telling me that I do not have the money to spend <laughs> on that piece of, of costume or something like that. But it's but that's a real the business layer of what we do is mm. incredibly important. We have some very fine business brains who are passionate about storytelling mm. and want to use their gift to help that happen in the world. Mm. So for me, I'm lucky. I've been able to take for granted. Because it was developed while I was at school, a mm. capacity to express my passion. Yes, it happens to be that I direct. I'd started as an actor, became a director, became a producer, mm. became an artistic director. Very particular path. But had I not had that access, and had been able to take that access for granted when I was little, mm. wouldn't be doing it now. Yeah. And for me, I kind of I just want everybody to have access to that passion. Mm passion place and I want for people to have that skill. And this is like, it's not everyone. Some people go, oh God, no. Yes, (laughs) The last thing I want to do is that. But I also go, you need to have access to it
2: early on so that you can decide that for Mm. yourself. And I think you can appreciate something mm-hmm. and not want to be on stage and you can come and be in the audience or you can and have a critical
1: engagement with it. Yep. And again, you should be able to expect that as a society, we should be able to take for granted that our stories are told in our voices and that we can all come together and enjoy them. Mm. And whether we're sitting in the audience, whether we're sitting at home, seeing it on our televisions, mm. hearing it on our radio stations, our opinions, our voices, and our ability to engage in them in critical ways. Mm -hmm. Look, it's a fascinating thing how we increase the value of that Mm. in our society, because it feels
2: like at the moment it's being devalued. Completely. And I think drama teachers, I mean, all arts teachers are coming from a place where we, preaching to the choir, you know, we are really passionate about it and it's how do we get our voices out there and how do we get this wider community to acknowledge what's going on and and that the arts are really important. And I think currently with everything that's happening in the world, there's a bit of a fear around jobs in the arts because the arts have been hit really hard with what's happening. Um, So people are tending to steer away and there's been a really big push for STEM and there's been this really big push that you can – only do STEM or the arts, and you can't be somebody that does... STEAM. Yes. <laughs> and you can't be somebody that does both. Yeah. Look, I get it.
1: Parents get really afraid for their kids going mm. out into the world about having a job and being able to support themselves and they see all the economic pressures and they think that there's an instability in the arts. Mm. And look, we have been hit really hard, but... What was an existential crisis back in 2020 where, honestly, I didn't know if theatre would survive because there had never been challenged like that on a global scale. Like, locally, disasters would happen, Mm. but, you know, the theatre would figure out how. But not theatre as a whole. whole, If we stop it, if it stopped, say it stopped like it did in 2020 Mm. for 10 years, would we even remember how to tell a story? Mm. How would we start again? Mm. And that was on the table as a Mm. question we genuinely didn't know what we have figured out is that we will absolutely survive <laughs> and that the need to tell stories and to come together as community is huge. Mm-hmm. Like having it taken away from us for that period of time only made it stronger mm-hmm. insofar as our need both to tell and to hear and to come together as a community. Mm. That thing of coming together in a room live, yeah, it's been hard to pull off Mm. and to pull off safely. But the need for people to do that, to combat deep social loneliness Mm. is huge. It's not enough to meet up in a park for a cup of coffee with people. There's something about sitting next to people you don't know, Mm. albeit with masks (laughs) at the moment, and share a story, laugh at the same moment, Mm. be affected at the same moment, be shocked at the same moment. That moment in Triple X where the mother of a young man spits in the face of a trans woman is one of the most shocking moments I've seen in Mm. a long time. But to hear the whole audience go, (gasps) it means that you're surrounded by people who also find it shocking, which means that it's not okay. Mm. How do we learn how we agree as a society, Mm. especially in a time where we're being completely polarized in Mm. our politics? How do we come together? And theatre is one of the big ways to do that, Mm. to know that there are people who think like me, who feel like Mm. me. And so what I do know is that that's been solidified. Mm. So I know we're going to come out stronger than ever. And what I do know is that we don't have enough workers in the theatre to pull it off. Yeah. You know... We're losing a lot of people to Netflix at the moment. <laughs> if you have technical skills in the theatre, you, you are being paid a lot of money yeah. at the moment and there are so many jobs that we don't know how to fill them all. Mm. So I would be saying to parents at this particular point, encourage your kids to build their skill set in theatre, not only on the stage but in the producing, mm. in the technical production side. Which ties in, like, by all means, encourage your kids to go in to become electricians, but know that they can be electricians and carpenters in mm. the theatre as well. Yeah. Know that they can be accountants in the theatre. Know that they can be lawyers in the theatre. Mm. The life in the arts is not mutually exclusive from other skill sets as mm. well. So very good friend of mine, a beautiful playwright, Susie Miller, who wrote a play called Prima Facie*. Which is opening on the West End. Yes, year, which, it's amazing. With Jodie Comer yes. in the lead role.
2: <laughs> it's I know. Amazing. That, my I sister know. lives in London and I was like, you need to go see this play. Yeah. Now, she started as a
1: biologist. Mm. Uh, she did science at school, started a bi- as a biologist. She'd always talked a lot, let's be honest, but <laughs> biology. And then she did law. Mm. And she was a very successful lawyer for a long time, but she never quit the writing bug. Mm. And she started to become a playwright. She'd never thought about herself as a playwright, but she had a gift for language. She was good with words. Yep. So law seemed predictable. Over 10 years, and I knew her as she started writing more and mm. more and more, and gradually she stopped being a lawyer full-time, <laughs> then part-time, <laughs> and then as a consultant, and now she's a full-time playwright. Mm. And her most successful play was actually about a, a young lawyer. So mm. it's not as about a as separating of life.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. about making those two worlds work together. Yeah. And I think something you were saying before about the moment in Triple X, it's that immediacy and i think young people are uh, living in this world where their devices are so connected to them and it's the way they communicate and it's the way they engage with the community around them and they have all of these you know creative outlets on their mm-hmm. you know devices as well but there's something beautiful about taking them to see theater and having that moment where they have a really powerful reaction but also that beautiful moment when you pour out of the theater and they just everything just bubbles up because yeah. they've been thinking about it for the last hour and a half because it's not like a show on Netflix where you can stop it and you can go oh did you see that or did you, you and have it, that conversation or yeah. yeah you can't have that so yeah. that that passion and that they've got so much to say and so many opinions and and that is just beautiful and i worry that we're losing that that just general, I just need to engage with something and see that see that piece of theatre yeah. and engage with other people, as you say, that think like me or might not. And or then might that's, not. You that's know?
1: important too, where you found something really funny but the rest of the place hasn't. Mm. Why? It becomes a question in your own body. Mm. And then you you go outside the theatre and you talk to your friend who was sitting next to you and you go, well, what did you think? And they were like, they have a completely different opinion to you mm. at that point. What do you do with that? It's live. It's in your bodies. And the, for me... The most important part of theatre going is the coming out of the theatre and the conversations mm. that start. Yes. They start outside in the Bill Brown foyer <laughs> under the tree. They, they carry on into your car mm. on the way home. They're there the next day when you wake up, something's with you. They're there a few days later and you're still thinking about it. Or a few months later, suddenly you'll get something. Mm. Something else will happen in your life and you go, oh, that's what that was. Or you're trying to hang on to that great line because yes. there was a fight on stage and someone said something really great. You're like, remember that. Because we all want snappy comebacks, mm. don't we? I fight so badly. <laughs> I get so in, in, incoherent. And honestly, Noel Coward has helped me enormously. <laughs> <laughs> the, some of the old writers have got great takedowns. I mean, Oscar Wilde still has some of the best takedowns ever, but... You can hear the sentences written for you by Mm. great writers and you can aspire to that level of communication. Mm. And I can very rarely pull it off, but we're all looking (laughs) for that moment, right? But they help us. Sometimes I think sometimes those tricky conversations on stage in the harder plays are us rehearsing how to have them in our real mm-hmm. lives. But we work, it's kind of like we hire professionals to run a scenario for us that's difficult so that we can manage it better in our own lives. Mm. And I can't necessarily say it the way they said it on stage, but it gives me a chance to practice it. We practice things as a society.
2: Mm. Well, and I think for young people as well, when you look at the opportunity to, you know, in the drama classroom, they get to create their own work and respond to other people's work. And, you know, they get to play teenagers that are written by people that might not be teenagers and grapple with, well, is this real or Mm -hmm. is this, you know, is this how we talk or is this actually our experiences? And it was really interesting. We did a play, um, Girls Like That, by Evan Pacey, and we did it in the classroom. And the students engaged with it, but they were a little bit like, oh, it's a little bit stereotypical. And then we did it as a production. Mm -hmm. And they got more time to engage with the characters and that. And after it, they went, actually... I completely understand that and I completely get where that character's coming from. And, and they got to grapple with those things and then they got to present these really powerful messages to their peers. Mm-hmm. And it's that as well of that immediacy of seeing other young people perform and other young people say this is a message that's important to me or this is what I think about the world. Yeah, It's funny, isn't it? What actually happens in the rehearsal space
1: You're practicing critical conversation. Mm. How do you criticize others in constructive ways? Mm. How do you hear criticism and realize it's constructive in that it's helping you to build a better version? Mm. It's not a a personal criticism. It's actually someone working with you to build a better version. Mm. And that's what critical conversation actually is. And how do you build language around complexity and nuance? Mm. How do you make something slightly better? That's what we practice mm. in the in that rehearsal space and that's what you're doing when you're doing drama at school mm. is practicing complexity and nuance of thought and how do you express that. And again, we call it drama, mm-hmm. but actually that's the skill set that's being delivered mm. and developed in that room. And it's hard to talk about it outside because what drama looks like
2: on the outside is not necessarily what it is on the inside. Yeah. and the subject, what it is, is so different to the final product. And I think that's what gets lost a lot. Mm. You know, most of my joy in teaching comes from the process and comes from mm. seeing where those students start and what they learn about themselves and the world and all of that along the way. And the final product might be whatever and, it, you know, it yes. goes however it goes. But it's more important of that learning mm. and to me, and I know to a lot of educators, that's what school's about. You know, it's not about the final product. It's about the journey and the process. Because let's be honest, when you leave school, no one's going to ask you to analyse Romeo and Juliet and write an analytical essay about the gender constructs in it. No. But those <laughs> an analytical <laughs> skills <laughs> mm. and the questioning and the thought-provoking and the journey you went on to produce that mm. is the important part. Yeah. And it's hard to pin down what that journey looks like in drama and people see the final product, which the final product is often beautiful and amazing, but it's that. And I think something beautiful that Queensland Theatre has done is they've opened their doors to young people and gone, well, this is our process and this is what we do and come into our rehearsal room and we want to go on that journey with you and all of those things. Look, for me, and this is,
1: you know, future plans for the company, Mm. I see no value difference between my five-year-old audience and my 50-year-old audience. They're all audience for story. Mm. And yes, we have to make them differently for different ages, but I think a five-year-old Queenslander has as much right to hear stories Mm. that matter to them in their voice as a 50-year-old. And... For me, that's the growth of the company over the next twenty years: is making sure that we're going from from five up. And I do say five up. I don't know. There's people. There are p- beautiful people who specialize in the under fives. <laughs> and maybe this is maybe a future artistic director will go from zero. <laughs> but I kind of go. It's from that point of language. Mm-hmm. And how do we build? How do we build citizens to actually have full voices? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that people have that capacity to speak, mm-hmm. the right to speak, the capacity to speak, and the venue to speak in? We've got to build that in mm. our people, and we've got to, which means that on a value system, we've got to actually want all people to have that capacity. Mm. And the more honestly, and this is you know, the more I feel government pulling away from the capacity for people to express their real opinions, the more the conspiracy theorist in me rises up and <laughs> says, "Do you not want your people to be able to speak back to you in strong voices?" Mm. And I'm afraid of a society where it's people can't speak with full mm. voice and where we don't value our young voices because they are our radical thinkers. Mm. They're thinking in ways way ahead of what I am. I get together with, you know, we have a youth ensembles mm. in the company. They come in Monday through Thursday every <laughs> night, about, about four o'clock in the afternoon, they come into the building and they're young people training in mm. theatre. And yes, it's very performance-based because that's how we build the skill set of speaking and moving story. Mm-hmm. But there are people, a lot of them won't, end up with careers in the theatre, but they have a love of yes. theatre. So they come in every every day and I feel the energy coming in the room and from time to time I talk to them and the way they think about the world is far in advance of what I do and I feel very <laughs> old from time to time. But, but I also get blown away by their innovation because they haven't been taught all the rules yet of how society is supposed mm. to work. So they're inventing shapes and ideas that I can't imagine because my brain is very constrained at this point. Yep. And I find both inspiration and confrontation in that space mm. and I think that that is important important in the company as a real and everyday part of the Mm. company. And it's always been in the DNA of the company. From Mm. the very beginning, young people have been a part of the creative process. And I kind of go, how do we make that more? Mm. And how do I invite more people in, more young people into the company so that they always take for granted that this is a space for their voice? Mm. And I want them to come in at 13 and leave at 90. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, you know, why 90? Sorry to all our 90-year-olds. <laughs> listeners, you're not, I'm not excluding you at that point. But but actually, this is always that space. And I think if you get it at the beginning and mm-hmm. you take it for granted at the beginning, that's a healthier theatre society because then you kind of go, well, why aren't you doing that? Mm-hmm. And why aren't you doing this? You should be doing this. And my job is to listen to people and deliver what they say we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that means listening to my 13-year-olds who are saying, well, why can't you do that? And you should be doing those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, well, you write them.
2: (laughs) Well, and I think drama and the arts can be a really confronting space for some young people, for anybody, because we live in a society where it feels like you've got a, there's a right answer. And you're completely (laughs) right in saying that uh, young people are the ones that are pushing back a lot on that at the moment. Mm. And drama is a space where there's no right answer. There's no one way to do something. Which again, it's one of the few subjects in the scheme of high school learning Mm.
1: that Seeds that idea. There isn't a right answer, and that's what makes it s- a difficult, a difficult yeah. subject if you like to teach. Because you're in a, a value system that's going to give people a mark. Yes. How do you say there's no right answer? Mm. It is subjective. And am I right in saying it's the? It's one of the few subjects where you actually have to do group work. Yes. And I know that there are group projects in other subjects, but where you're actually assessed on group work.
2: Yeah, and they're assessed individually, yeah. but. It's a really hard thing because if you are working against somebody in a scene that isn't all there, yeah. that isn't in that moment, that's going to be really Look, hard for you. And, and I
1: get that. Again, that question, that the fear that parents might yeah. have of I am putting my mark in someone else's hand. Mm. And I would, all I would say is that is the only subject that's actually making you fit to be in the workforce mm. because everything is team-based now. Yes. And if you can't build those skills in team, while you're at school, you are going to be stranded. Everything in theatre is to do with team, mm. and it's kind of funny because, you know, I talk to friends in other in other industries and in other companies, and a large part of what they do is team building. Mm. They spend so much money <laughs> trying to build teams because they've got people who are not great in working in teams, yeah. and everything that they deliver is team based. And they kind of go, "What do you do?" I said. That's That's all we do. That's all we do. We were trained in teams at the beginning. You put on a show, it's a team-based exercise. As a director, I always joke with friends, you know, when we do awards for theatre, I kind of don't believe in awards for theatre because, you know, and I've had a few. (laughs) And that's that weird thing, you stand up and accept them and I kind of go, ugh, I feel icky as a director accepting an award for directing because it's such a team Mm. effort. Everything I do is built on other people's intelligences and, yes, I might have stolen their ideas really well and Mm. put it under the the heading of directing. But we just do team. Mm. We can't do what we do without team. So I kind of go, it's specialization in team,
2: Mm.
1: analytical and synthetic. You have to pull it apart. And then what is performance if not putting it together Mm. again? And you just go, we speak team. So we don't spend a lot of money on team building.
2: No. And I think it's, It's interesting because, I mean, there is activities and things we do in the classroom to kind of build that space. But we find that students naturally become a group and they naturally have those really powerful friendships. And they might not talk to each other much outside that classroom, but they become an ensemble. Uh And they're so good at protecting that space and working together and being really open and going, okay, I might not agree with you, but I respect that you have I that hear opinion. It.
1: Yeah. I've learned how to hear you. I've learned how to incorporate someone else's thought into my process, which means I am transformed. Mm. And that we specialize in transformation, mm. changing people's minds mm. about things. And again, that question of our capacity to do that as a society is built at that point. Mm. Someone said to me, you know, a cynic said to me, and I think it's a famous one, said, theatre doesn't change the world. And I go, actually, I fight you on that. Mm. Theatre changes the people who change the world. Yep. And I'm super conscious that we make the stories that have an impact on our lawyers, on our educators, on our legislators, on our government. They're sitting in the audience mm. and they're coming asking for a different point of view. That's um, what happens when they buy a ticket. Yeah. They're saying, tell me something I don't know.
2: And I think that's the thing about drama is that, we're not saying we want you to all be actors or that we even want you to all go onto the theatre, but you are going to be a better person and a, a better lawyer, a better doctor, a better human if you can yeah. do all of those things and you can have empathy and critical thinking and engage in a team and all of those things. And so many times we look at calling them, you know, soft skills. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah. It talk it talks to me about
1: soft diplomacy. Yeah. Again. Yes. Yeah. You want to be a diplomat, do drama. Mm. Because it is that thing of, you said the word empathy, and we we fling it around a lot. Mm. But how do we develop it? And there's something about just the straightforward exercise of pretending to be someone else. What does that actually mean? Mm. And you go, I put myself in their way of thinking. And how does that feel? How do I imagine they feel? Mm and if you can't imagine how someone else feels then you ain't got no empathy no <laughs> and so for me that imaginative exercise it's something we do very naturally when we're playing when we're super little mm. we pretend to be something else yeah. and then we pretend to feel that yeah. and when we pretend it it's almost like it's real yeah and then you understand what that is mm. and so we practice empathy and you take that empathy out into whatever field you have. Mm. And empathy is just about sometimes someone else in my company thinks differently to me about mm. something and how do I actually understand where they're coming from? Mm. And we need that in every industry. Mm. Oh, God, I need our politicians to have that, you know? <laughs> And for me, I have to say, it means a lot to me that our Minister for the Arts was one of our Theatre residency yes. week kids. Do you know what I mean? Did drama, yeah. loved drama at school. Came cool. out through that space. You know, I don't think she said, I'm going to be the minister for the arts. Mm. I don't think she necessarily thought she was going to be a politician. Probably, I don't know, you'd have to ask her schoolmates <laughs> as to whether she always had that gift. But her education was giving her skills that she still uses. Mm gave her empathy, gave her compassion, gave her analytical skills, Mm. gave her a synthesis. She has to perform every time she gets Mm. up and gives a speech. She's been building that skill since she was little. Mm. Everyone's got to be able to give a speech these days. Yeah. Most people are going to have to be able to give a presentation at work in some way, at some shape, point, or form. Yeah. yeah. So, again, those skills are being built in drama. Mm. And you say the word and immediately you think of something else, but that's just ba- the basic skills of drama mm. are setting you up to be functional in whatever field you go into mm. and then to engage in the world in a functional, expressive human way. Mm.
2: And I think something else that I think often gets missed. Theatre is different to drama in the way that when you're doing drama at school, you have to know the history of the practitioners and you have to adapt into different styles. We often have this, uh, not disconnect, but we find it hard sometimes to take students to the theatre in going, we need a play that is Brechtian or we need a play that's magical realism. We need a play that's Australian Gothic. And the theatre doesn't work like that. But for our students, they have to go, okay, well, what are those skills and what are those conventions and what's that practitioner and what's the history and where is that coming from and I'm going to adapt my natural acting style into that and then the next unit I'm going to go and I'm going to adapt that again into this style or I'm going to do political theatre I'm going to do this and they're constantly not just performing but analysing their own performance and adapting into somebody else's style and working within that and that's really tough. I have seen students that are amazing performers but that ability to continually adapt that is a whole other skill. And I think sometimes the rigour of something like drama gets lost, that it is just getting up and, you know, playing pretend. Mm. And obviously there's so much more to that. And obviously there's so much more to acting in that as well. But it's something that's so layered. And I think it comes back to what I was saying before about Even when you come to see the theatre, you see the final product and you don't see everything that happened on the rehearsal floor and you don't see everything that went in technically and in that moment and the debates that were had on the rehearsal floor to make that moment what it is.
1: Uh, No, I think we, we feel it. Yes. That's the depth that you feel, the complexity of mm. a relationship that you're seeing. That's built on all of those mm. conversations, those arguments that work on the floor. <laughs> that's how it becomes 3D and mm. not 2D. That How it moves beyond stereotype into something that's rich and alive before you that can be really confronting. Mm. That's why it feels real. Yeah. Is the that depth of in, emotional investment that a performer puts into it. And yes, I rely on those performers having had a depth of education Mm. that knows what Brechtian is, Mm. that knows what absurdist is. No, we're not going to perform an absurdist play because that was a particular style that came out of a particular historical context and And a politics. That doesn't
2: necessarily make good theatre.
1: Not now. No. A different sort of theatre makes good theatre now, but elements of it Mm, are there. Completely. Brechtian elements are so embedded in the way we perform mm. now. I'm not going to do a full on straight Brechtian production <laughs> because again that came out of very particular mm. politics of a particular man, but we use elements yes. of it that we take for granted. And I rely on performers who are familiar with that, and we kind of just go, oh, we'll go a little bit Brecht on that one. Yeah. In that moment. And what we're asking drama students to do is to kind of go, oh my God. I think that was a bit of brecht. Mm. They do that by doing something completely brechtian yeah. in the in the in the classroom. Yes, do you know, so that they understand what that is, so that they can spot that one moment, mm. and so that they can also see in that moment as a person how that how that impacts on a story mm. that is trying to be told. Now that analytical capacity makes it just so much more enjoyable when you go to the theatre to be able to see all of that as opposed to just subject to the theatre, being subject to it. So I think what I look at there, it's kind of like people who learned a musical instrument Mm. when they were at school, no matter how good or bad they were at it kind of will always enjoy an orchestra an appreciation more. appreciation for They'll that. They'll appreciate yeah. the dexterity, the skill, the moment so much more. The p- people who did dance when they were little will wonder. Mm. They might not love classical ballet but they will wonder at the technique yeah. because they know, I know, I never went up on point. <laughs> because my dad was a chiropractor and went to my drum, my, my, <laughs> my, my dance teacher and said, is she really that good at a uh, dance teacher? I said, no, she doesn't really have great turnout, so she'll oh. never be a ballerina. And dad said, then I'm not going to let her go on point because I don't want her back wrecked for no good reason. <laughs> and that's my dad chiropractor. I love my dad, but I kind of was devastated oh. at the time, right? Because so that's a big deal. It's a big on, deal yeah. and, not, and not going on point. Mm. And I kind of go, that was kind of the death of my ballet career. <laughs> but I love going to the ballet mm. and I love contemporary dance and I look at them and I wonder at what they do and I kind of go, when I was little, I tried to get my leg up at that angle too yeah. and it was impossible. Isn't that person amazing mm. and isn't that choreographer incredible? You know, and our sense of wonder is only increased when we appreciate and our, our critical appreciation is developed. So that makes my life richer, just mm. that little bit more understanding. And and no, I don't think you necessarily got to continue with it, but yes, I want... I want Little kids to have dance classes. Mm. I want them to have them at school because not every parent can actually afford the dance class. Mm. And so, but I think it builds to. I mean, we're going to have the Olympics here in
2: twenty thirty
1: two, right? I want Queenslanders to thrill to the choreography Mm. that someone is going to create, and I want them to be moved by it and to not. And I want them to actually see the skill, Mm. not just be astounded by it. We'll always be astounded. Great great artists will make us astounded. Yeah. But I want them to appreciate it too. Yeah. It's another layer, another yeah. depth. In 2032, we are going to be bringing together all of the dance, all of the music, mm. all of the acting, all of the performance capacity of the state to thrill the world. Mm. So why in the why <laughs> are we pulling back on our investment in that now? I know. You know, why are we not pushing all of our kids to be doing dance and music and drama a little bit every day from prep onwards? Because if you're in prep now, I want you performing at the Olympics Mm. when you're a teenager. If you're a teenager now, I want you in the shows on stage Mm. that we'll be showing to the world that comes to the Olympics. I want that. And if we're not not encouraging it right now,
2: who's going to be on our stages? Mm. Who's going to tell our stories? Are people even going to want to sit in the audience? And there's so much information coming out at the moment about how much the arts struggled in COVID. But in response to that, a lot of companies and artists have put out, well, this is our economic impact on the state, on the country, Mm -hmm. and this is actually what the arts gives back. And these are the creative opportunities and the cultural opportunities and the community engagements that the arts give. Well, if we're not starting that and we're not starting that in schools, what's going to happen? Well, you know what? I know what happens. We have a silent
1: And lonely population Mm. that cannot form community and has no belief in its future. Mm. That's what happens when you take away people's ability to express the things that are going on inside themselves Mm. and when they don't think that they should. If they're not given the tools to do it, they will stay silent and lonely. And if we're not actually demanding it for our young people, then we can't fix it when they're in their 40s. Mm. It's a bigger conversation. And and yes, I know with election cycles being what they are, it's short-term thinking is what we do, but we have to resist that short-term thinking. We're investing in the five-year-old so that we don't have
2: those enormous costs mm. when they're 45 and unhappy with their life. And it's really interesting when you look at, you know, other countries and other areas. There's some countries that have went so far away from the arts and now they're pulling it back and they're going oh, we didn't realise the academic impact of removing the arts and we didn't realise the mental health and we didn't realise the community engagement. And I think it's really hard for drama teachers to remove that because we are so embedded in that world that we kind of go, well, how do we get through to the other side? How do we show the joy and Queensland Theatre and people coming to the theatre and them seeing their kids enjoy, you know, Scene Project or the Youth Ensemble or all of that? (laughs) You know, I've had parents who have come to me and gone, I didn't realise how much the impact of the arts made on my child. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. But I think our struggle at the moment is if we could embrace every child into the arts and go, come, we will show you, we will show you what we do and how mm-hmm. we do it. But we we can't just have the impact after it's happened. We need to get them in the door. Mm. And that's where we're going. Well, other programs and other things are helping us get there. And it's, it's lovely to be able to have those programs to kind of help and support us because it is a struggle and it is something that is a little bit demoralising at times. Oh, look, I see Queensland Theatre as absolutely in partnership
1: with every Mm. drama teacher around the state. I think that we need to work for you Mm. (laughs) in advocating for the importance of arts beyond theatre. I mean, Mm. yes, I advocate for theatre because that's what I do, but I kind (laughs) of go, but actually every art is in theater mm. and i kind of so i need every every art process to be something that people are able to take for granted mm. and i know that we can't at the moment and i'm i'm someone that sits outside of drama education who has to wave the flag for the importance of that mm. for our society able because to take if i'm not seeing young people excited by Drama and its possibilities. Then I know not only do I not have people working in the theatre, but Mm. I also don't have audiences. Mm. And if we're not making and telling our stories to as wide an audience as possible, then we will evaporate as a culture. Mm. And it is that important. And I know in so hard in the in the hierarchy of teaching. Dramas always struggled to mm. to have the prestige that music does, perhaps. And maybe it's to do with again that difficulty of this of subjectivity. Mm. And how do you value subjectivity? It's easier in the math space because you can get 100%. And I always joke, you can never win theatre. <laughs> I was a kid that really loved getting 100%. Mm. And, you know, I would get 98 my dad would say, what happened to the other 2%? And I would go, like, I know, right? <laughs> and I'd go back to a teacher and say, well, where did I go wrong? <laughs> you know, so it's easier in that in that marking space to win. Mm. And there's been so much emphasis, I suppose, in the in the last 20 years about the winning,
2: mm.
1: winning this and winning that. And you kind of go, and I, and I think one of the things that attracts me to theatre is that I think I could go a little bit crazy if I focus on the winning. Mm. And I've watched friends go down the competition line of life where you're always winning mm. and it, where it's measurable or they try to measure. And I go, I, w- I was sort of attracted to the harder thing which is it's impossible to win theater. Mm. That's why I joke at the award ceremonies. I was like, "We won the theater." We go, no, <laughs> we didn't. So I win a moment. Yeah. There's a moment on stage where the whole room reacts the same way and I go, "I won that moment." Yeah. I meant that to happen, and I I I influenced 351 people mm. sitting in that space or 800 at the Playhouse at Qpac. Mm. I made a whole room of people feel the same way in a particular moment. And I can't measure it Mm. i can't prove it apart from the fact that you know they come back to another play because actually that was a great night in their life and they remember it Mm. and they talked about it to their friends to their family and it had an impact on them and in the scheme of the year they were like oh yeah that's the year we saw that Mm. and that was amazing and i go that's how we build memory Mm. that's how a society builds its memory and I go, if we're all doing that together, if we learn how to remember better, then maybe we remember the things that we didn't do so well either mm. and we analyse them and we do better as a society.
2: And I think I think drama teachers and arts teachers have got very good at negotiating that kind of marking and, and how do we mark theatre? And we've got mm-hmm. much better at valuing that yeah. and working out, you know, what's the performance and what's being marked and, and negotiating that. But I think that idea that you are talking about that I've made an impact and I've impacted the audience... That's something you can't explain until you you, do it it and until they have that moment. And I think it's also to be in the arts, you have to be so self-reflective and you have to continue. It takes courage. Mm. It takes bravery and it takes words. (laughs) And it takes being aware, being really aware. And that's something that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And I think those things are immeasurable and that's where it gets really tricky to go, well, you're going to come and do drama and you're going to get all of these things, but we can't pinpoint them and we can't show you what that moment is like and we can't... But you but know if you come ten in 10 years
1: from now, you'll come back and tell me mm. how important it was. Mm. Now, if we don't give it to you, 10 years from now, you're not going to come back and tell me how important it was. Yeah. So I won't know, but we will feel the lack in our society. And I kind of go, so we how do we make the long-term argument at a time when short-term we're feeling really attacked?
2: Yeah, and yeah. I think that's our biggest struggle at the moment. Yeah. We're looking so short-term and, and we want to go further than that and uh, we sometimes feel like we're having the same argument over and over again.
1: But what I would say is look, when I was at school, drama didn't exist mm. as a subject. It was something you did outside of school. Yeah. What's been built in the last 20, 30 years Mm. by people who believe that drama in schools should be a right, (laughs) that everyone should have access to the arts in schools. What's been built in the last 20, 30 years has been extraordinary. Like you said, we've got got much better at knowing how to market, how to value it, how to talk about it. Mm. And maybe we need to get better at the talking about it so that people outside the arts can value it Mm. better. But I go... What's been built in the last 20, 30 years is extraordinary. It's been built, it's been rebuilt, it's been reevaluated. I mean, people wouldn't have believed 30 years ago what was possible in mm. the schools. And the impact that that's had on schooling yeah. in the last 30 years is extraordinary. We just don't want to lose it. We don't want to lose it because we've seen how important Mm. it is, how valuable it is. And, you know, we're not going to lose it. It's in a rough time at the moment, (laughs) but we will come back with the arguments because we have the capacity, Mm. because we have all of those skills that we say are so important. So we will galvanize and we will figure out the language around it and we will swing the pendulum back Mm. because we know it is long term that important because we've got drama teachers who've lived through the last 30 years to know that we're in a much better place than we were 30 years ago. Mm. So we will do it. It's just a pain in the neck now. Yes, (laughs) this year. And we, we will get better at talking to parents about the fact that you know, there should be drama every day for every student mm. because it's a skill set that is incredibly valuable. Mm. And maybe it is that thing of how do we move beyond it just being the one subject? How do we give it to every student? Mm. What is the actual ambition? Is drama every day for every student from day dot? At the moment, we're haggling over scaling, yeah. and we're haggling over being b- valued and being getting valued kids in the and door. signing get them in the door. Drama every day for every student from yeah. day dot and you can also do it as a full subject if that's what you want. Yeah. But I think that that access and that right for every citizen in our education system to be able to express what's going on inside you in a way that is listened to in our mm. society that's that's the place we build those skills. Mm. The big ambition, keeping a hold of the big ambition when in a particular year we're feeling a little bit sat on. Yeah, the last couple of years.
2: And I think drama teachers are beautiful humans in that way that sometimes when you're in your own classroom, you can feel very alone because you're there in front of 30 kids and anything can happen in that classroom and you've got no one in that moment to call on. It's and all you. And let's be
1: honest, in most schools there isn't a drama department, there's a drama teacher. Teacher, yeah. Who's it's, probably also doubling in the English or another subject. Yeah,
2: especially in, yeah. in regional areas. Yeah. But So it can be really lonely. Mm, and through Drama Queensland, and I've been on the committee for s- seven years now and met amazing people and feel very honoured to be the president and to kind of help connect those people. But drama teachers are a different breed if somebody goes, I need help or does someone have this or can anyone put me in contact with this? We've got an amazing community that will rally together and I think while we are going through this struggle, it is lovely to know that we have other people that are in the trenches with us Mm. to go, we're here with you and it's great to be able to talk to you today and to go, you know, Queensland Theatre is here with us and, and that artists and the industry are behind us because they see the value in it. Look,
1: we're, tra- we're building our teaching artist program at the moment, mm. which is actually about identifying the artists who believe th- and who have a capacity to teach what they what mm. they do as well and how do they connect in with the education program better mm. so that we're actually linking up more. And I think that's really beautiful for me where artists start to value their capacity to communicate their mm. gift as well and to share it because not every artist can. No, it's a very it's a, different a, sometimes skill. Sometimes it's an internal instinct that mm. they have and they couldn't tell you what they do but some artists can and how do we value them mm. as a very particular group of people. So that's a link-up, if you like, for me insofar as how we start to build a circular relationship between the making and the capacity to teach it mm. and how do we then, you know. So I'm very hopeful for the next 30 years mm. uh, <laughs> and I feel that the more we can actually talk about about, talk about what it is that we do specifically, and mm. develop the language around that, and and build alliances both with with other industries and other subjects. I've been we've been building a really interesting relationship with with sports mm. because I find actually interestingly, sports teachers are very similar to drama teachers in that they're developing a lot of other skills. Mm. Most kids who play sport at school are not going to go to the Olympics.
2: Mm. Yes, they're completely. not. They're not going to compete at that but level. But we value sports a lot more than because we value for what arts. it teaches us
1: teamwork, Mm. (laughs) rigorous development of particular skills. Mm. ball Like, you know, being able to bounce a ball is kind of like being able to play a Brechtian moment. (laughs) I like that analogy. There's similar things in that they're a very particular skill. And if you've tried to do it, you will always appreciate it. Yes. I I, I sucked at basketball. I really did. I cannot dribble a ball to to save my life. But, oh, my God, when I sat at Madison Square Garden and saw Michael Jordan sink... (laughs) Think yeah. those balls you know his jump shots so were kind of ex- extraordinary I kind of went I wondered mm. and it's the same thing you know you play a Brechtian moment you break a fourth wall in the drama in the school room and you kind of go when you see a great actor look out and break that fourth wall yeah. you go oh my god they're so good at that <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan yeah and you go that's wonderful to be able to, to appreciate that and to be a part of an audience that can appreciate that and to stand up at the end and applaud and go, yes, mm. that, that jump shot, that, that slam dunk was in that Brechtian moment mm. pulled off by that extraordinary actor. Aren't they amazing? Mm. And to be really, to have a rich appreciation, oh, I think that's incredible. Mm. Yeah. Look, and- I could talk to you forever <laughs> about this. We're very much on the same team. But thank you for being a
2: part of this conversation today. No, thank and- you for inviting me in. It's been lovely to be able to have this chat. And thank you for the long-term partnership in Always. believing in what we do. Yeah, I think the impact that uh, you make on, and Queensland Theatre makes on young people, we see it and we see the richness of it and you know, we are very much behind continuing a partnership to continue to engage and enrich um, young people's lives. I'll see you at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll appreciate the dance and acting with you and all. We'll we'll be making
1: it. Yeah, we will. Um, we'll look with forward with to it. with young people that you've you've developed. That mm. they'll be on the world stage. 2032, here we come. 2032, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much, Lee. And thank you, everybody, for being a part of this conversation. Uh, please talk to your talk to your drama teachers, talk to your schools, insist, insist on all young people having access to drama every day from day dot.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au, to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye!